If you're an author or plan to be one, get excited because this podcast is for you. Book Marketing Mentors is the only podcast dedicated to helping you successfully market and sell your book. If you're ready for empowering conversations with successful marketing mavens, then grab a coffee or tea and listen in to your host, international best-selling author, Susan Friedman. Welcome to Book Marketing Mentors, the weekly podcast where you learn proven strategies, tools, ideas, and tips from the masters. Every week, I introduce you to a marketing master who will share their expertise to help you market and sell more books. Today, my special guest is a direct sales and leadership expert. Scott Scantlin is a professional speaker, author, consultant, sales trainer, and business coach with two decades of experience in direct sales and leadership. He successfully built a nationwide team of over 6,000 independent associates across North America and Canada. He specializes in working with companies, entrepreneurs, and direct sellers to identify hidden potential and reach. A lifelong student of personal development, Scott's latest book entitled The Relevance Gap helps those struggling to transition during a time of extreme change. Not only is Scott's book published by Aviva Publishing, he's also a National Speaker Association colleague. So, Scott, what an absolute pleasure it is to welcome you to the show, and thank you for being this week's guest expert and mentor. Susan, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure working with you over the last, oh gosh, I don't even know how long, seven or eight months or even longer than that, but it's just been a pleasure working with you. You have been such a phenomenal guide. Just glad to be on today and talking to your guests. And so looking forward to sharing a little bit about my background and what I do, what my book's about, and you know how we can help your guests and your listeners. Excellent. Scott, The Relevance Gap. Talk to us about that. What exactly is The Relevance Gap? The Relevance Gap is, you know, I kind of have a definition for it. The Relevance Gap is the distance from kind of where you are in a relationship to the speed of the world changing around you. And you look at the last decade and how fast everything has completely changed. I mean, currently right now, we have four generations in the workforce right now. You have everything from technical skills to worksite identity. You've got workplace anxiety. You've got technology anxiety. People really just are kind of like, you know, what do I do? Where do I start? And what's troubling and what's difficult is I think a lot of people freeze up. They've not embraced change. We tend to resist change by our own nature. And the more you resist, the more irrelevant you become. And there's always somebody behind you that's faster, smarter, younger, more importantly, just willing to do the things that you're unwilling to do. And so everybody has adjustments to make. But the one thing I've learned along the way in the talks that I've given and speaking around the country is that when you're dealing with four different generations, everybody has a contribution to make. Everybody has a gift, has a skill. And so as people are embracing change and they're embracing the limitations and they're beginning to realize, hey, wait a minute, I can catch up on this stuff pretty quick. Just because there's you know, new modalities and you know, new systems and new technologies and new ways of doing things, I'm needed. And I think that's important because sometimes people feel that maybe I'm too old, maybe I'm too out of touch. The fact of the matter is, 
we need everybody in the game right now. And so that's really what the relevance gap is all about. It's just about getting people past that feeling of overwhelm so that they can catch up and that they can make their contribution and be a part of the whole as we kind of move forward. So that's what the book is about and helping people make those adjustments. Oh, that's so exciting. What do you feel that our nonfiction authors need to do to stay relevant in this fast-changing world? I had a lot of time to think about that. I mean, not just in writing the book. I mean, being an author, being an entrepreneur, being out in the marketplace. And what I've found is that we have a lot to compete with. I mean, when you just look at, just for example, social media, there are so many platforms for social media right now. And in order for you to promote and get out there, you, you really have to get be loud. I mean, this is a loud universe. I mean, there's so many voices out there buying and competing for the same readers or for your product or whatever it is that you do. And I think a lot of times we kind of shy away. We don't want to be too loud. We don't want to be too noisy. But that's what's different about the market today. What's different is you've got to be noisy. You've got to be loud. You've got to be out in it. You've got to be letting people know who you are, what you're about, how you can help them, why they should want to read your books, why they want to talk to you about your products and really the benefits that you can bring. And so, again, you've got to learn to do some things you've never done before. I mean, just case in point, you know, you look at, say, for example, YouTube. Okay, most people might not be comfortable with doing video. But video is the future. When you look at Generation Z, you know, everything they do is video driven. And so you have to now make that adjustment and learn how to put together video and do recordings and post those recordings and provide quality content that somebody can now go and get information, everything from doing a podcast for example, or, you know, there's so many different modalities of putting information out there. But what I find is think, well, it doesn't take all that. But the fact of the matter is, is yeah, it takes all that. You have to learn to do all of those things. And it can be a little overwhelming. I think you've got to narrow it down to three or four, maybe five different platforms or niches that really work for you. And then to put yourself in those modes, experience them, master them, get good at them. I mean, it's not going to be easy at first, right? But you know, the definition of easy is something you can do. (laughs) I mean, basically, Everything you've ever done or everything you at one point in time, you didn't know how to do it. It was uncomfortable. You had to learn how to do it. But once you knew how to do it, it was easy. So the definition of easy is something you can do. All of these things can be learned. I mean, all of these things can be experienced, can be mastered. I didn't know anything about YouTube. And I'm not really by any means at this point in time, YouTube expert. But I took a course, YouTube for Bosses, with Sonny Leonarduzzi. And it was a great course. It taught me a lot. And it happened around the same time that it was at uh, an NSA event, Atlanta, Georgia, which was called the Video Intensive. And why were we all there? Because video is so important. And so you can kind of feel like, remember being at that function with NSA and everybody, you know, kind of realizing why they're sitting there, how far behind we actually are because five, 10 years ago, the number one income producer for public speakers was keynote speaking. Today, it's subscription-based models and online courses. And so all of a sudden, the models have changed. And so the models move, the models change, but things that really make us successful, which is our content, those things never really change, right? I mean, they adapt and grow, but the things that produce success are the things that those don't really ever change, but your ability and your willingness to get out in the market, deliver, do things you've never done before, acquire some new skills, master something you've never done. I mean, there's always a potential 
That's what I think drives successful people. Successful people don't base their success or measure their success based on what they've done. They measure themselves against their potential. And so what's next for you? Things you've never done before. If you embrace it, you're going to master it. You're going to get good at it. And so those are the things, the decisions that I think entrepreneurs, speakers, authors, we've got to make a decision to adapt and change and embrace the market as it is moving forward. So that's some of the suggestions I would give. A few things that you said that just stood out for me. First of all, the definition of easy, something that you can do. I think that's brilliant. (laughs) So simple and so easy, but you're absolutely right. When you do something and you've done it many times, you think, oh, this is easy, but you forget that other people have not done what you've done to get where you are. So it really isn't easy for them. And then I think everything that you've said leads to the whole idea of the power of your mindset. Talk to us more about that, because I know that that's an aspect of your book. So talk to us more about mindset. Mindset is just absolutely critical for the growth of your business. You know, your mind's a very powerful thing. You know, I I was a big student of Napoleon Hill. The author is the greatest ally. It's also your greatest enemy. That it's so powerful that whether a thought is an empowering thought or a disempowering thought, it is bound to come true. It's bound to become a reality. So what happens is, is that we are not active participants in the forming of our thoughts, our beliefs, our core values, and our core principles. That's why what you want to be able to do is just to really be able to capture that and, and really creating some core values and some core principles that are empowering versus core values and principles that are disempowering. You want to take an active role in that. And so that all comes down to a lot of different things. It's you know where you spend your time, the associations that you make, the people you spend time around, the books that you read, the audios that you listen to, all of those types of things are formulating the power of your mindset. And your mind, once you've set your mind in motion and you have empowering thoughts and you have empowering beliefs, and you can change those things. That's one of the things I get into in my book is really talking to the how do you go about formulating and designing core values and designing core principles that are going to move you in the direction of your dreams and the, the goals that you have, you know, where you want to be at in life and, and how you go about doing that process. And so we talked a little bit about that in the relevance gap and people are learning, getting good at this process. They're getting good at the process of changing their mindset and designing core values that are empowering, that serve almost as kind of like a board of directors, if you will, of the mind that's moving you in the direction of your goals. And so we spend a lot of time talking about that in the book in order to, you know, to formulate those core values. I love the idea of a board of directors and your mindset. And in order to stay relevant, based on all the things that you said, that the things are changing so quickly, in order to stay up with that, you've got to have the right mindset for it. Talk about mistakes. What do you find are some of the mistakes that people make when it comes to staying relevant? The big mistake is complacency. Complacency breeds contempt. If you think about it, the status quo is a career hazard. It's an absolute total mistake. The idea, we always think about the, you know, the definition of insanity. We've heard it a million times. It's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, right? Well, I, I think 
that really there's a new definition of that. And it's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting things not to change. In my opinion, that's crazy. You're doing the same thing you were doing 10, 15, 20 years ago, and you're expecting that to continue to work in the environment of this new economy. Everything's changed in the world around us today. Everything, the way we communicate, the way we do business, for example, just in the sales profession, where I spend a lot of my time, I'm a network vice president over 10 states for my company. And I work with people and in that environment and they'll say, well, gosh, you know, nobody's answering the phone. Well, nobody's been answering the phone for the last 10 years because there's so many different modalities of communication. I mean, if you call somebody on your cellular phone, if you don't recognize the number, do you answer it? No, you broom it, you swipe off. We've got to learn to make changes. We've got to communicate with text message. We've got to communicate with email. We've got to communicate with all of these different modalities. We've got to utilize different systems and new systems. And so we can't keep doing what we've always done and expecting things to stay the same. That, in my opinion, is crazy. And I think that's the big mistake people are making as we move into this new economy. You've got to be willing to make the adjustments. And one of the things I love, this is John Addison. And uh, John Addison was the CEO of Prime America. He sits on the board with our company. And this is, he's got a book out on leadership. It's fantastic. This is what he says. He says, you cannot run and hide from a changing world. You have to be a part of it. And he said that probably a couple of decades ago. But honestly, that's more true today than it's ever been. And I really think that that that's the big mistake. Thinking that you can do things the way they've always been done and then that they're just going to stay the same, you've got to make the adjustments, you've got to embrace change, learn some new skills, you got to acquire some new skills, you got to you know, adopt some new habits, you've got to learn to adapt. And I think that really the power, the skill of adaptation is the number one skill, the most relevant skill moving forward right now in the 21st century. Your ability to be able to adapt, embrace change, find out what your role is in it, and then move forward. That's the thing that's going to need to change if people are going to be successful in the world moving forward. I love the idea of the skill of adaptation. Where would one start with that skill? What would be the number one thing that we should do? You got to learn to adapt your technical skills you got to learn to adapt your values, and you got to learn to adapt in workplace identity. So technical skills is simple. It's learning how to use different things, different communication systems, social media, texting, mobile devices, Zoom presentations, all of those different things that allow us to meet and share information more rapidly than we've ever been able to do ever in history, which is incredible. You need to master those technical skills, whatever that might be for you. Core values. We want to adjust our core values so that our core values line up whether that's our employer, the company that we're involved with, or whether that is our listener or our reader, people are wanting to embrace and spend time with people that share common core values. And so your core values, you've got to work on those and make sure that they're in alignment with, you know, the people that you're either working with or that are in your community. And then there's the workplace identity. And that's pretty critical. I think workplace identity, because when you look at statistically, there's a a new movement called the freelance contract worker. 
one in five employees in the United States right now is a freelance contract worker. They're not on a W-2. They're contract labor. And they say within the next decade, that's going to be 50% of all labor in the next 10 years is going to move to contract employment. What does that mean from a workplace identity standpoint? If you think about it, if you've got a job or a position or any of those types of things, then you've got to make the adjustment to start treating your job like a business. You need to begin to acquire skills in your workplace identity that are going to be beneficial to your employer. Or if you're an entrepreneur, that you're out there freelance contract labor already, that you need to always be upgrading your skills. So your technical skills, your core values, and I believe your workplace identity, I think those three things are the areas that you have to learn to make adaptation. And then all of that allows for all the generations to kind of work together, whether that be the silver tsunami, you know, they say one in in four employees in the United States are baby boomers, right? It's called the silver tsunami. You've got your generation X, which I call the adaptation generation. We are very good at adapting. That's what we've always had to do. I'm a Gen X. You've got the millennials who really are, again, growing families right now. And they have a lot of needs, but they're also very powerful in the market. And then you got Gen Zs, which I think they're just unbelievably amazing. They, they were raised, they didn't have to learn about technology. Their first generation that were raised with technology is something that they just use as a tool. I mean, honestly, they're a very interesting generation because they're more interested in sitting down with grandpa and grandma and playing a board game and setting the phone down and putting the technology to the side, even though they know how to utilize it as a tool. When we look at technical skills, core values, and workplace identity, and we put those three things together from an adaptation standpoint, we begin to position ourselves very efficiently and very effectively for the 21st century. That is so powerful. And it's interesting. I know that in your book, you have a wonderful list of core values. I really advise listeners to go and check that out. And then you were talking about the freelancing. And interestingly enough, and I'm going to link this podcast with another podcast that I did about the freelance economy and how powerful that is at the moment. And just you going through those different generations and what they bring to the marketplace was fascinating. I'm one of those, what do you call this, silver haired tsunami people. I don't <laughs> have the silver tsunami. hair. Yeah, the silver tsunami. I don't have the silver hair, but I'm one of the baby boomers. So I know about that. We've had to learn a whole lot of new skills as well. I know that adapting is important. And, and I love the idea of the Gen Z putting the technology down and playing with grandma and grandpa. I yeah. love that idea. Scott, if our listeners wanted to find out more about your book and you, how can they do that? A couple of things. You can Google Scott Scantlin. You can go to scottscantlin.com, which is my website. You can go to therelevancegap.com, which is my website for my book. It'll tell you all about my book there. You can also look me up on everything from Instagram to Facebook to LinkedIn to Twitter. So I'm available on all of those modalities. 
you can catch me there. My book is available on Amazon. So you can go to Amazon. Of course, there's a paperback and then also the ebook also as well. So you can get that there. And, and if you'd like to reach out to me, again, just through any one of those social media platforms or the website, you can contact with me. And so if you got questions, if you're interested in coaching, public speaking and talks and events and all of those things, I'm available for all those things for books. So uh, that's how you get a hold of me. And Susan, thank you so much. It's been really a pleasure as always. I love working with you. You're absolutely amazing. You're one of my favorite people in this world right now. You've really helped me and blessed me in so many ways. And so thank you so much. I'm not going to let you go that quickly. <laughs> I want you to share a golden nugget with our listeners. What would that be, Scott? Here's a great golden nugget. I believe in this. I've lived by this for years. I'm a student of personal development, and I believe that you should work harder on yourself than you do on your business. Just put your energy and your efforts into working to move yourself to becoming the person that you desire to become and read the books, listen to the tapes, go to the trainings and make sure that you apply what you read, apply what you learn and do all of those things and everything will work itself out for you. So that's my golden nugget. Work harder on yourself than you do on your business, on your books or anything else that you do and everything will fall into place. What great wisdom. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you all for taking time out of your precious day to listen to this interview. And I sincerely hope that it sparks some ideas you can use to sell more books. Here's wishing you much book marketing success. The time is now to take action and finally build your book selling empire. And the great news is that Susan is here to help you. Visit bookmarketingmentors.com and sign up for a free 15-minute book marketing strategy session with Susan. She'll help you discover your first steps to marketing and selling your book. Only those who take action are rewarded. So visit bookmarketingmentors.com and we'll see you again next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.